Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Uh, time on for a Monday. Always the biggest night of the week. Filling in for Sam Edmund. He's doing a cracking job on drive and there is a heap to get through. Uh, very good evening to you. Hope you've had a cracking day, whatever it is that you've been up to. And, of course, time on your say on the news of the day. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. of course. Uh, Sam Edmund on breakfast at the moment, filling in while Gary and Tim have a little sabbatical and recharge the batteries. Uh, so we're here to take you through everything that's been happening throughout the course of the day. And, of course, this is when you uh, can just get your point of view on what's been happening across uh as you see fit, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So we'll keep doing what Sam and and A Rod have been doing every Monday. We'll follow the script that they have laid out, uh, so you're not uh, confused as to how things are working and why that's not happening there and this is not happening here. So we'll do coach's corner tonight. We'll go through the big issue of the day. You can have your say on that as well. We'll do the Magoo's report to see who's been uh, just tearing it up uh, in the lower levels. Uh, and, uh, of course, we'll do what grinds my gears. So you'll get a chance to have a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a Monday moan at the end of the show. What grinds my gears will be back. But let's start with the bulletin board, as Sammy does every Monday. Uh, on the bulletin board, uh, Sam Edmund this morning on Drive revealed the extent of Bulldog Josh Dunkley's shoulder injury. Obviously needed a miracle to avoid having a shoulder reconstruction. Well, Dwayne, unfortunately, he hasn't got that miracle. He will go under the knife for a full shoulder reconstruction in the next day or two. So this is a 12 to 16 week injury for Josh Dunkley. So that's massive, isn't it, uh, Josh Dunkley? And you could just tell that he knew from the moment that it happened that he was not in a good way. Uh, and we've just got a situation at the moment, haven't we, where, and I wonder whether it's something that's starting to concern uh, those at the highest levels because we are seeing uh, I, I, more injuries this year than I can remember, and we're seeing them to to big-name players as well. Not that that makes a heap of difference. It might not to you, but you certainly don't want to see this many big names out uh, at any one time. And and I couldn't help feeling for Lin Jong as well, who's just battled and battled and and persevered through injury after injury to get back and to see him go down with a hammy. Lockie Neal's going to spend a a fair while out of the game now as well. So the the spate of injuries would have to be a concern uh, at the moment. Is it just bad luck? Is it the uh, reduced rotations? Is it... Um, the body's just not adapting quick enough to going back to 30 minutes extra than what they played last year. I'm not a doctor. We might even have a chat, see if we can have a chat to a, a doctor or a physio at some point during the week and see if there are answers to that injury question. Uh, some other sports as well. And uh, in the UFC, in the much-anticipated rematch between Jorge uh, Masvidal and Kamara Usman, didn't take long for the reigning champ, Usman, to put Masvidal to sleep. And the ball, the superlative... Oh, 
Uh, incredible scenes, wasn't it? And the the worst thing about that fight was that I saw more things on my Instagram feed uh, about that YouTube vlog than I saw about the actual fighters themselves. Why, oh why, do we give this, uh, what is his name, Jake something, or that, whoever that YouTube idiot is, we don't need to know his name. Um, the more airtime he gets, I just think the the more foolish combat sports like boxing or UFC seem. I mean, this guy shouldn't even get the – he's not worth the attention of anybody who's anybody in the sport. But yet you look at your social media and, and Logan Paul, is that his name? What's that? Yeah, the, the, the YouTube guy. I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. Um He's as bad as it is as bad for sport as it gets. Um, just a gimmick, and I don't know why we keep giving uh, a person like that the attention that he is getting. Uh, Ash Barty uh, has this is her second WTA win in three weeks, winning on clay again for the first time since she won uh, the French Open in 2019, uh, winning in Stuttgart. Ash Barty, the champion in Stuttgart. The world number one shows exactly why she sits atop the rankings at the moment. And she can celebrate today after her 25th birthday. Congratulations, Ash Barty. Another title going to the Australian. So she lost the opening set, Ash Barty, uh, but, uh, for the third straight match, but had a nine-game surge uh, and ended up 3-6, 6-love, 6-3 uh, over Belarusian uh, <laughs> I should have read this out for first before I went to try and read it off the screen. Uh, Arinya Sabalenka. Uh, so that was on Sunday uh, night, last night, and that's her second uh, WTA win in the last three weeks. Uh, the cricket world is losing its mind uh, when cricket actually being played. We know there's big concerns over in India at the moment, but for the cricket that's actually being played, uh, Ravinder Jadeja, um, 37 runs off the final over of his Chennai Super Kings innings against Royal Challengers Bangalore. This... He went absolutely berserk. He took uh, Harshal Patel down for the most expensive over in IPL history. What are you doing, Jadu? Come on! 37 runs off the final over. 37 runs uh, off the final over. Uh, ironically, you are giving that flog airtime right now. I know, uh, but I'm asking the question why. If someone, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not as heavily invested in UFC or boxing as maybe you are. So if you can understand why this guy is suddenly uh, the biggest thing in boxing, then explain it to me. One three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And thank you to Dan. The intro was a dog's breakfast. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text. Uh, temper is a mattress like no other. Uh, coaches votes are in as well, and the, the other news from an injury point of view is Sam Reed uh, and Richmond's Kane Lambert both expected to miss two weeks uh, with calf injuries. Uh, so again, this injury toll that continues to mount continues to to be a problem, uh, and it just seems to me. And I was looking at the numbers that it the other day that we, we've definitely there are more players injured at this time uh, this year than there were in the last couple of years and I wonder if that is a concern one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the number coaches votes uh, are in as well uh, off the text 0433981116 million YouTube subscribers like him or not the dude makes money that's why he gets airtime. Uh, 
1-300-7367. You blokes on SEN are no different to that fella on YouTube. You all sensationalise stuff. You are all ill-informed and speak a lot of junk. Uh, well, we appreciate that feedback. You must be a massive fan. And to take the time to text that in, um, we, we'll, we'll take that on board. Um, I often find it funny when people say how bad we are, but continue to listen. But thank you for doing that. Uh, 1-300-736-736-0433-98-1116. Uh, the big issue this week, as it has been in the last few weeks, and what's been getting the phone ringing today more than any other topic, uh, is Collingwood again. So massive Anzac Day clash yesterday. It was extraordinary to see that many people back at footy again. It was an, a wonderful occasion. We're going to do Heroes and Villains after 7 o'clock. Uh, and, and, and you are certainly my number one hero of the week. Uh, everyone who turned up to a game, everyone who respectfully uh, observed and, and, um, and went through and, and the reverence in which people partook in the Anzac Day formalities. It is a day of incredible um, meaning. You know, it, it has a real significance, a deep meaning and a deep significance to us as a country. And football plays its part on that day. And it doesn't play its part as well as it does without you in attendance. So the biggest sporting crowd that has been at an event since COVID was a real feather in the cap. And I just thought it was a wonderful response. The night before was brilliant as well. The way in which the lights go out at the MCG and the way in which the teams and, and, the, and, and the fans mark the occasion. I was just very proud of our game uh, on Saturday night and on Sunday uh, especially. Uh, but from a footballing point of view, and we'll talk more about uh, the, the way in which we, we celebrate Anzac Day throughout the next couple of hours, but I certainly think that we do it just better than anybody. And that's no disrespect to any other sport because there was a fantastic crowd at, uh, at Amy as well to see the Storm get a win yesterday as well. But I think we should be incredibly proud of the way that the fans turned up and turned out and to hear uh, the roar that we we're able to hear, to hear this again. Now, not about the Bombers song, but it was more just about hearing that roar, hearing the roar of almost 80,000 people again. It's been a long time coming, and it was just brilliant uh, to hear it. It was just brilliant to see it. Uh, And so uh, we'll talk heroes and villains a little later, but certainly everybody who turned up to a game over the weekend and the way in which they participated and showed their respect and honoured that tradition uh, is worthy of a hero nomination, which we'll do after 7 o'clock. But the big issue again uh, this week looks like it's going to be Collingwood. To breathe some life into their season. It's a win to the Bombers, 16-13-109. They defeat Collingwood, 13-7-85. We're not quite as um, experienced across the board. And and that do, that does have an impact in the short term. But I didn't look at the list and think that we can't find a way um, and we've been we've been pretty competitive for all of our games we just haven't had the killer instinct to be able to finish off this is the second week in a row out here GWS a couple of weeks ago and now tonight where the last sort of five or six minutes we've just run out of legs and just haven't been able to go is a long time ago but I think you said after a loss in that year that the speculation around your future was potentially impacting the players is that a possibility this year again uh, I said, so I said that four years ago, did I? Yeah. That's probably where it should belong, I reckon. <laughs> no, no would be the short, the short answer. I think we know that the contract has to be 
renewed this year. So Graham Wright will, will, will manage that process and, you know, we'll rely on Graham's um, expertise. But like we said, we're all agreed. Um, Nathan is, you know, a seriously competent person and passionate person and a man of great integrity and he will put, and everybody will put the interest of the Collingwood Football Club first. So I think he does a lot, right, as a coach. So if you're judging him as a coach... We want a good reason to walk him out the door if he's if he's doing a good job, mm-hmm. or allow him to walk out the door. Because sometimes you just need to feel loved, Jared. Sometimes you need to feel like the place you go to work to appreciates what you do. To say to say they're making finals is ridiculous. If if that's what the president's saying, man, that's a bad start. Well, they just uh, don't have enough talent because of their injuries. I think they played okay like in terms of their effort, um, their contests, their work around the ball, um, but they just don't have enough good players. You look at their bottom 10, it's it's about as weak a bottom 10 in the game. And that's what happens when you trade away your good players and you have four or five injuries to your stars, then that's what you get. So in order, the final siren of, of yesterday's loss to Essendon, they were in it for a, a long time, Collingwood, weren't they? But... It just seemed like the class and maybe it was the exuberance of youth that just came to the fore for Essendon that uh, was able to get them over the line, but they seemed to just hunt a, a little bit better. Essendon, despite having, I think, plus 18 in disposals, uh, they also out-tackled uh, Collingwood as well, 85 to 56. So uh, it, I think it just sort of showed a mindset and a mentality that maybe um, isn't there at the moment for the Pies. So a 24-point win, but there were real positives. I really like the look of Bo McCreary uh, as a player. Um, some of the young talent that's coming through is something to be excited about for Collingwood. And I'd love to know from you as a Collingwood fan, what did you see yesterday in terms of look, looking to the future that you thought, geez, there's something there in that guy or or that guy. I can I can see it there. I can see it there. What did you make of it? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But the final sign was there. Buck's talking about the lacking killer instinct, the running out of legs. He's responding to the questions on his future. Um, Mark Corder speaking about Buck's contract. And then David King on saying that you'd want to have a very good reason to walk Buckley out the door, saying that he's actually coaching pretty well. Uh, and you want to be sure that there's someone better waiting in the wings who can do better with where you're at. And that's another great question about Collingwood. Do they understand where they're at? When you've got... The president saying they expect to play finals, but they're one and five now, and that with a depleted list, do they do they understand where they're at? Are they on the same page as to where they're at? Kane Corns as well in there speaking about the injuries uh, and Collingwood not having enough talent. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three uh, ninety eight eleven sixteen. Uh, off the text, uh, this is the same as Melbourne in twenty eighteen. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Tempera is a mattress like no other. We'll come back on the other side and uh, take your calls. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll just get a couple of things sorted out uh, in this studio as well. So apologies for the rocky start. We will straighten up and smooth it out on the other side of this. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on. Uh, sometimes it is just one of those nights where things just don't want to work as how we would like them to. Uh, thanks for joining us on time on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, is the number to give me a bell at any stage. Your say on the news of the day zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text. Temper is a mattress like no other. Ian's called in Bulleen. G'day, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'll. <laughs> how are you going, Ian? 
Yeah, right. Everyone asked me that too. Um, I just want to make two points on your original point. First of all, I could comment on everything you've just said. Um, but I'll, I'll comment on the um, game's going too long as the media seems to have got the memo. Everyone's jumping in on it. Well, that was Chris Fagan who put that on the agenda, not the media. That was Chris Fagan. The media all eats it up and they all run. But anyway, um, the game goes 150 years for 100 minutes. And most of that time's with two interchange plays that can't come on until the end of the game. You have one season where it's shortened. And then the following season, there's a few injuries. And uh, everyone loses their mind. Second point is there's a reason why each list has 42 plays. It's a test of this club, not just the team. So it's a test of the 42-player list. Sometimes injuries give advantages um, to top sides, give advantages to bottom sides that don't have the injuries, which is a good equaliser, which the, the AFL is always looking for. I mean, it's, I'm a Richmond supporter. We get our injuries every year. You look at it as a positive. You get, you get exposed to the talent down the list. Yeah, I, I, I have no issue with that. Um, I would say, though, that from a purely selfish point of view as, as fans, that when you see so many top liners, that, that's what's concerning me, just the amount of top liners that are injured this year. Because you want to see when you go to the footy and you pay your hard-earned, as much as it is a great story to unearth new talent, that is one of the exciting parts of our game. Ian, I, I totally agree. But when you look through injury lists of, of every team and, and you can see a couple of their A-graders from all sides seem to have a couple of A-graders out. Uh, and well, that, then it's fair. Big then button? It's fair. Then it's fair. If everyone's losing top players, then competition's still fair. And I don't think injuries are fair or unfair. I just think they're injuries. They don't, they don't set themselves to an agenda. All right. Poor choice of words, sure. But uh, then it's, it's kind of equalised itself. It's... Um, and that's what the competition's forever striving for is a is a totally equal competition, and it's no competition quite like the AFL that strives for that, mm. where the top side can be can lose to the bottom side at any in any game. So it's a test of list more than anything, and then mm. and then poor choices that some clubs make by just like St Kilda is by topping up with old fellas and not focusing on on uh, young guys it is is a test of the club. Not it's it, 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 it's. You keep it out of your mind. You lose top players. It's an opportunity to see good young players. So for you, it doesn't not not a worry if there's more injuries this year. Do you, do you think there's a reason, or do you think, hey, it's just one of those years? It's just one of those years. I mean, Richmond in the in all their premiership years, in the front half of the year, they've lost key key players, including Rance, who we clever and wrote them off when we lost Rance. Yeah. Um, and uh, all it did was give an opportunity to all these young guys to have a to have um, a, a good look at what AFL is all about. And then all the star players got to jump into the peloton at the second half. And um, and, and that's what it should be. I mean, it, it it's unfortunate it happens in the second half of the year, but I think you find most injuries happen in the first half of the season. Yeah, I'll have to go and have a look and, and see if I can find out a little bit more. And, and, I, and I might try and speak to someone from Clubland to see if it's something that's concerning them. But, Ian, I appreciate you making the points you did. And uh, we've got a couple of people who are agreeing with you. Uh, I follow my club, not the individual, so I agree with the caller. So that's from Wayne, who, uh, as long as the jumper's out there, who's filling it? 
Uh, it doesn't matter. And that would be uh, a pretty, that would be a well-held view as well by, by plenty. Uh, how about stop blaming the length of the game and start looking at the demands of the coaches on the players? So uh, no name on that one, but just saying that maybe players are being asked to do more than they should. Um, doctors wouldn't let them uh, if that's if that's the way in which you're going down. Uh, I, the, the doctors have a duty of care, and I think we've found that that they won't level it. They won't ever let a player back on uh, if that player is going to do more damage to, to an injury that's been sustained. Um, but uh, it's coming through a few times, Ian. Couldn't agree more with this bloke. That's come through from Brett. Uh, Ross is in East Melbourne. Ross wants to talk to Pies. G'day, Ross. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Uh, I just wanted to the, the comments that Mark Corder made, um, uh, were they today that he made those, the Collingwood president, that, about Collingwood should be playing finals? Yeah. The audio that- from him saying that Collingwood should be playing finals, uh, I'd have to double-check where that came from. We, we knew that that had come through. I don't think that was him speaking today. I know he's done an okay. interview with Dwayne, I'm, and I'm not 100% yeah, sure yeah, where, yeah, yeah. No, but it was, it was certainly <laughs> since being elected. I know that. Yeah, okay. So if it's been, since being elected, now, I, I just want to know, as a 20-plus you know, year member who goes most weeks and, you know, supports Collingwood but doesn't really drink the Kool-Aid like a lot of other Collingwood fans seem to do. Um, I just want to know that I just I just want to put it out there. It's pretty abhorrent to me that the president of the football club has come out in the last three or four days and said that we have a good enough team to be challenging for finals. Now, if we have a look at our you know, I think Kane Corns is spot on. And I was saying this with Drain this morning uh, or this afternoon. The bottom 10 players that played yesterday, the bottom 11 players have played under 55 games. And of those 11, two of them, Quainor and Dacos, you can say a bona fide first pick or, you know, definite starters every week. The others are either unproven because they haven't played a lot of games or they're blokes who are still sort of, you know, on the fringes. Um, but three or four years in. Now, if you have a look at our VFL side that we put out on the weekend, the only bloke that I think had played more than half a dozen games of league footy was Mason Cox. And he's a 30-year-old 211-centimetre uh, American uh, ex-basketballer who's made a pretty good career as a forward playing over footy, no matter what everyone says. So I don't think that there's a, a great deal to work with. So if the president of the football club thinks that we should be challenging for finals, then... I almost say, you know, bring on an EGM, an extraordinary general meeting of the, the, the members and basically decide to, to change the, you know, the direction of the Collingwood Football Club because clearly there doesn't seem to be a lot of common sense. And, you know, guys like Kingy are probably right in saying, well, you know, Buckley's probably not doing a whole heap wrong because what's at his disposal isn't isn't fantastic. And, you know, the depth is down on previous years. Like, Collingwood in the last three or four years, Collingwood in the last two years has essentially taken out, you know, whether or not, you know, if he was fit or not, he'd still be playing. Dane Beams, Adam Trelaw, Tom Phillips, Tom Langdon and Jaden Stevenson. Now, those guys, those five guys could walk into that side right now and play every single week if they were fit. So, I mean, it's pretty hard for the president to come out and say, oh, we should be making finals, and fans will sit there and think, well, that, that's acceptable. That, that's pathetic. The, the president should not be making those decisions. 
president should not be making those calls, especially one week into his presidency. Uh, Ross, I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. Um, a lot You've put a lot into that, and uh, you've, you've done your homework on it, and I appreciate you doing so. So it, it is one of those things, isn't it, where – and people ask, well, why are Collingwood getting more scrutiny than, say, a, a Hawthorne or uh, a North Melbourne or – and that's the reason why. And why Carlton getting so much scrutiny? It's because your club set the agenda. Your club sets the expectations on where you should finish. So if you don't meet them, then that is something that gets scrutinised. So there are teams that we know just won't play finals. So they won't be judged as harshly uh, than teams who believe that they are in that window. So that's why these things get discussed more. And yes, it's a big club as well, and they're both big clubs. But this is why these things get discussed in, in a greater detail. Uh, Joe's in Roval. G'day, Joe. Hey guys, Sammy, how are you? Really well, thank you. Uh, just a question. Um, I think Collingwood have made a big mistake in giving Brody Grundy a seven-year contract mm. because I, I speak as a Hawthorne supporter. I remember when Buddy Franklin's contract was up for renew, and uh, Hawthorne offered him a million for five years, and that wasn't good enough for him. He wanted a nine-year deal. Sydney offered it, and we were happy to let him go. I mean, he wanted to chase his success. He got no success. He missed out on two premierships. And you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, it's an interesting case study, isn't it, Joe? The, the million-dollar-a-year player. And uh, we've spoken about this a couple of times, about you know how successful is it to have a player and how you manage your salary cap. It's such a, a finite resource. It, it, it's such a fine line. The art of it is, I think, sometimes undervalued and underappreciated in, in clubs that are able to manage their salary cap. And Hawthorne were able to be successful because... They had players who just took unders, players who got paid far less to stay than what they would have to go. Um, Richmond, from what I understand, Tom Lynch had better offers than what he got at Richmond, but he wanted to go to a team he thought was going to challenge for a premiership. From what we understand, we think Dusty's probably on a mill, uh, and Tom Boyd is the other one that's been on a mill for a season, and those teams have won premierships. But if you go back and look at the million-dollar players, um, premierships don't go hand in hand with it. So is it the smart move? And we don't know for, for sure that Brody Grundy is on a million, but that's been the numbers reported. And for seven years, that's that's a lot of your salary cap, which I think is about 13 and a half this year. I had the numbers written down. They're not in front of me. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's around 13 uh, to 13 and a half from, from what it was. So that is a, a fair chunk of your salary cap. And is it does it pay off? You know, does the... You know, you, you put your money where your mouth is. Well, do you get the reward at the end of the day for that? The jury is absolutely still out. And evidence at the moment would say no when it comes to million-dollar-a-year uh, players. Uh, John's in Nunawadding. G'day, John. G'day. Um, just on the injury situation, just prefix this by saying that I am, I've qualified in a couple of, as a coach in a couple of sports, not football. I went to see an under-16 AFL whatever that is, uh, training session. They, they are training their athletes to the inch anaerobically of their physical capacity. These players do not have aerobic background. If you have a look at the aerobic background of the ex-athletes like Blissart uh, and those, they're not coming down injured. These guys are running on a fine line of going over the top mm. and they they really need to go into games with an aerobic background. There's currently 
I think, 133 players on the injury list. That's about 18 to 19% of the AFL list, and that's a disgrace. Yeah, it's uh, you, you. I think you're 100 percent right, and you you mentioned, and when you look at that, that's that's what they do with Olympians. Olympians are on; they get their bodies so finely tuned that it, it just takes one little false step sometimes, and then the hammy goes. So, they they do push them to be right at that edge. The red line training that they do to to be able to perform in fatigue situations. So, uh, it's a great point you make, John, and it, it'll continue to be an area that evolves and, and, and there'll be new experts that come in and, and, and new ways of doing things. But we are seeing at the moment more injuries than we have in previous years. So it is something that is concerning the coaches. It's concerning Chris Fagan. He spoke about that on the weekend and he's not the only coach that's brought it up. And you wonder whether it's concerning head office. Off the text though, a lot of people saying it uh, doesn't matter. Um, can't disagree anymore. Survival of the fittest and the toughest. Um, and somewhat luckiest list can win. Try to manufacture top list players. Takes away the lower club's advantage. You're fit and got people to pick or you'll struggle and cop a flogging occasionally. That's the way it should be. one 736 Just a note on the injuries. The most heartbreaking is surely Lin Jong. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That injury hurt my soul. That's from Bowen in Nunawading. Yeah, I was just gutted for him when I saw that. Um, that was a tough one to be able to, to have to see him injured. Uh, again, wildly popular player at the club, and and you don't want to see anyone have to get just that poor a run and unlucky a run at it. One three hundred seven three six seven three six, of course, is the number, and this has come through uh, off the text as well. I'm a Collingwood supporter, and I think we need to ease up on Corder. He's only had forty eight hours in the top job, and fans want to sack him. Give him time, please. Cheers. That's from Tim. Tim, I I agree. Too early to tell. Uh, if he's going to be a good president, because he hasn't even got his feet under the desk yet, uh, Peter Corder. But the comments about expecting to play finals, they are interesting and certainly worth discussing, and we can continue to do that after this on Time On SEN. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, the coaches' votes are in, uh, so we'll go through those and keep taking your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. By the way, if you're heading to St Kilda Hawthorne at Marvel uh, this weekend, download the SEN app and hit SEN Stadium. Play-by-play, no delay at Marvel. That's SEN Stadium on the SEN app. So for the Giants and the Dogs, eight votes apiece in the coaches' votes to Jack McRae uh, and Adam Trelaw. Green, Bontempelli got four, Libertore the three. Uh, for the Cats and the Eagles, and how long have we been waiting to see the Cats play like that? It's about time, Cats. How The injection of Jeremy Cameron we always knew would be, make a massive difference, but what it does with the domino effect is it, it meant that Gary Rowan doesn't get maybe the second-best key defender when he's playing, and then he was able to get off the chain a little bit, and it was just a, a much better-looking Geelong outfit. It's amazing what the difference may be. It was just that that one player can make. But the way they went about it, it was so much more entertaining to watch than what they'd been putting out. Uh, it was very enjoyable. And it's a warning shot to the rest of the competition. If that's how Geelong are going to play from here on out, good luck um, stopping them and, and have fun watching them. Uh, Mitch Duncan got all 10. Uh, Guthrie and Henry got five. Uh, for the Suns and the Swans, Took Miller got the five, seven apiece for King and Anderson. Uh, Hugh McCluggage got the 10 in the Carlton-Brisbane game. Harrison Mackay, Harry Mackay, uh, got the eight votes for his six-goal performance on Harris Andrews. But McCluggage is putting a very good month together, and he was the difference uh, at moments in that game. He was huge for the Lions. Melbourne and Richmond, Salem got all 10 in the same week that he extends for five years. He got the 10 votes. Uh, Petrarca got seven. Lever got the six. For the Dockers and North, Dave Mundy. And uh, it's a swamp thing on Twitter. 
uh, says that the only player to get uh, nine or more votes, he's got more nine or more vote games than anybody this season. He's got four of them. Uh, Dave Mundy got the 10. Nat Fife got the seven. Um, 35 years of age, Dave Mundy. The oldest Brownlow medalist, I think, is Barry Round in 1981. He was 31. He'd be He'd have a lot of votes, Dave Mundy. He would have a lot of votes to this stage of the year. In the Hawks and the Crows game, Jager O'Meara was massive in that last quarter. He almost put the team on his shoulders. Ten votes for him. Ben Keyes having a really good season for the Adelaide Crows. Uh, just going under the radar at the moment, but in the top five inside 50s, he had 30 on the weekend and was very good. Kajitsky got six. Uh, Seedsman got five. And Riley Philthorpe, who kicks five on debut, uh, just the two for Philthorpe, who did it in... He, he just showed his versatility and the way that he got those goals too, from the set shot, from the contested mark, from the front and centre crumb. Uh, that's a very exciting prospect for the Adelaide fans. Uh, Anzac Day, Darcy Parrish got the 10. Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody got the 8. Um, so Swamp Thing also tweeted out that Darcy Parrish is only the second player to ever have 40 more disposals on Anzac Day. Dane Swan is the other player, but he got the 10 votes. Uh, Tipper got the 5. Peter Wright played his best career game and got the 4. Port Adelaide and St Kilda, 10 votes to Ollie Wines. I think he had it 36 times uh, and was a, a massive presence. Carl Amon and Tom Jonas got 6 votes. So Dave Mundy's actually at the top of the coaches' votes. 38 for him. Max Gorn on 34. McRae from the Dogs on 33. Ollie Wines on 31 is the top four. Uh, so those are the coaches' votes. Uh, Jim's calling in Oakley. He wants to talk the Pies midfield. G'day, Jim. Uh, good evening. Uh, how are you, Mr. Hargraves? Uh, very well. I looked around to see if my dad was in the room uh, when you said uh, Mr. Well, Hargraves, but thank you. Me. Thank you very much. That's okay. Well, the one question I ask when we heard all this uh, post-anatomy prognosis from Mr. Guy one of the comments he made was, well, we got rid of Adam Trelaw and we're bringing in Braden Sire into the midfield. Now, what I saw on Anzac Day was Scotty Pendlebury still playing well, mm. but then still side bottom was starting to not be on the pace. Been a great servant to the Magpie Club. Yeah, he under has. A of the field, premiership player. But then if you just keep playing him there and he's not doing enough, there's no reaction from Buckley, and you're not you're not changing things. Now you've got a few other weapons in your arsenal. You could bring in the bull Brendan Maynard. You could maybe swing IQ down there. Of course, you got Tip and Woody to look out, but one of those two could go there. But why, in a game against Essendon where they've got bulls, you don't bring Brendan Sire in, even though he's been out of form? Make the kid play. McCleary looks good though. Yeah, I like the look of Bo McCreary. I think his first game, he had seven tackles inside 50, which might be the best that anyone's been able to uh, to accomplish in a year, in this year so far. I could be wrong on that, but I reckon seven might be at the top of that. Um, I was thinking the same thing. I think side bottom though has got credits in the bank. Uh, we know how good a player he is and has been over the years. Uh, but I, I did, he, he, look, he, he didn't have a great game yesterday, but I did turn to my partner who is a a 19-year Collingwood member, and I said, does he look like he's just struggling a little bit? Uh, and she didn't want to She didn't want to say yes, but she she begrudgingly acknowledged that it, that it might be a tough year. But he's coming back from a long layoff last year. He missed a lot of footy last year, did steal side bottom. And I think you'd back him in to, to turn his form around. But you're right about Pendles. There were people questioning how he was going a couple of weeks ago. He's still sublime as they come. He's like the Hubble telescope. He sees space that others can't. 
And I think he's number one in the comp for goal assists as well. So he is still as vital as ever uh, to that Collingwood midfield. And you make some great points about its lack of depth at the moment, Jim, which would be another concern for the Pies at the minute. Uh, Kyle's in Hillside. G'day, Kyle. How you going, Sammy? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, uh, just um, I've got a few things, but just in relation to that previous uh, Pies call in regards to Mark Corder's words about finals, um, so Graham Wright, who's a really intelligent man in football himself, when he came into the club, said that the list was much better than he expected. And he's come from a really successful um, successful organisation, being Hawthorne Football Club. So when Graham Wright's saying stuff like that, and then Mark Corder's saying, well, this he expects, or the whole club internally expected the list is good enough to be a contender for finals, you know that especially having, like you just were talking about, Pendles, side bottom, Grundy. We had one of the best defences in the league last year, and now our defence is pretty much leaking goals like a sieve. But I think like just in relation to what you were just talking about, how still side bottom seems to be not struggling a bit. So we, we brought in Rantel and um, Finlay McRae, who were supposed to be inside mids, and they attended two centre bounces yesterday, whereas Cal Brown and Josh Thomas were in the midfield. So this is the reason like, why we're struggling, because we are playing players out of position every single game. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And it's always a big question in the development of young players, Kyle, is do you put them straight into the furnace? Do you put them straight in the foxhole? And those guys are in their first year, and one of them is in his first game. And McRae, I think, is in his second. So do you do you throw them in in front of the you know eighty thousand, just under eighty thousand people on 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 a day as big as as Anzac Day is, with the microscope as intense as it is, and say right, oh sink or swim, or do you just ease them in and slowly build them up into that? particular role it's a it's a massive question it's one that Carlton are facing at the moment as well you know we've we've all been um hanging out um for and I've just had a mental blank on the uh the young guy who uh, Liam Stocker uh Liam Stocker we've all been hanging out for this contested clearance beast and they chuck him in the back pocket because they then put Petrovsky Seaton back on a wing because they've been using him in defense for how long so it's a it's they're often Intriguing questions, aren't they? How quickly do you put someone in the middle and or do you just build them up to that position? Is it a slow burn or do you just set the place on fire? It's 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 a it's a million dollar question, isn't it, Kyle? And and the proof will I think take a little while to emerge from the pudding. But it, uh, but I was shocked. I, I suppose I was a little surprised at, at some of the, the setups that they went with in the middle yesterday, but they were in that game for a long time as well, Collingwood, but uh, Essendon just too good in the end. one three hundred seven three six seven three six Off the text, 0433981116. Buckley was 31. I thought Buckley was 30. I'll double-check that when he won his Brownlow in that tie with Adam Goods and Mark Rusciuto. Uh But from what I understand, Barry Rand is the oldest Brownlow medalist at 31. Even if Buckley was 31, 31's the number. Well, Dave Mundy's got four years on both those guys at the moment, and he's in career-best nick. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number to have your say. We'll go around the Magoos in just a moment. I'll give you a couple of the performances from the Magoos and players that might be in line for promotion for your respective reserves outfit. Time on.
Uh, this is a time every Monday where Sam Edmund, who's doing a great job filling in on breakfast, we'll be back tomorrow with Nick Dale Santo, uh, would uh, play What Grinds My Gears. So if you've got something that's grinding your gears, one three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We'll do that in just a moment. Uh, the Rising Star nomination is in for the week, and it's Hawthorne's Jacob Kaczynski, uh, pick fifty two in the twenty eighteen draft. Five goals, nine marks, eleven score involvements, and fourteen disposals. He was drafted to be a key defender and they switched him forward during the pre-season and hasn't that uh, paid in spades and uh, certainly did on the weekend that uh, coming from 32 points down uh, in the third quarter the Hawks second time they've come from uh, over 30 points down this season to get their second win of the year MRO findings from Sunday's games and killed as Daniel McKenzie charged with engaging in rough conduct against Ollie Wines uh, he can accept a one-week ban. Uh, just the, from the Magoos, a couple of performances. Billy Frampton kicked seven uh, for Adelaide's twos. Will Setterfield had 25 for the Blues uh, and 10 tackles. Jesse Hogan kicked four goals and took 11 marks for the Giants. Emerson Jecker kicked five for Box Hill and had 20 touches. He's been banging on the door for the Hawks. I think he's kicked about 19 goals in uh, the last couple of weeks, or it's some uh, massive amount. Uh, Sam Powell Pepper had 34 touches, uh, making his comeback to footy. Eight tackles, eight clearances. Paddy Nash had 28 touches for the Tigers. Luke Dunstan had a field day, 46 from him, and Paddy Ryder had 32 Hitouts and 18 touches. Dylan Stevenson had 32 for the Swans. Jamara Eugle Hagen, 5.2 he kicked, or five goals two he kicked. <laughs> 5.2. Five goals two he kicked. Pat Lipinski had 35 touches. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Daniel's been waiting patiently in Elwood. G'day, Daniel. G'day, Sam. How are you going? Uh, all the better for speaking to you. What have you got for me? Mate, love giving you a call on a Monday night. Uh, on Thank the way into the dojo. Hey, I... Uh... I thought it was an interesting chat you had with a gentleman before who was talking about Brody Grundy's uh, long-term contract and, and the value of million-dollar mm. players. And, mate, I, I'm a bit concerned about something, but I thought I'd, I'd throw to you, what do you reckon Paddy Cripps is worth in terms of a dollar figure year for year? He's going to be asking for a five-year deal, I believe. Yep. So I thought I'd just get your, your ballpark on, on what you think he's worth, uh, and I'll tell you what's, what's really stressing me out. Uh, have nothing but the utmost respect for Paddy Cripps. I, I think he is an absolute jet as a player but what he is to me is he's a foundations player he is the slab you lay and the framework that you put up that everybody else comes off and is built upon so for that and I think that that's okay to be that it's one of the most important positions you can play in football what he does he is he lays the platform he is the slab he is the stumps he is the framework it doesn't get the attention, though, and it isn't as glamorous as the, 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 the big kitchen or bathroom or the pool at the back, but it's integral, and, and you don't uh, have any success without it. I don't think he's a million-dollar-a-year player, and I worry about his body holding up over five years, given that he has had to carry a midfield, shoulder a midfield for, um, for since his second year, where he was their number one contested possession winner and clearance player. So I don't think it's a million, but I think he should be very, very well paid. I'd, I'd say eight or nine for me, but... Uh, that's going to be a massive decision that Carlton have got. Uh, we're running out of time for this, uh, for time on, but Sporting Capital is up next. So we'll continue to take your calls and we'll do heroes and villains as well in the Sporting Capital. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.